yeah, it won't make me much, I guess, to the people listening because they'll, they'll be I think they'll end up being better because we've kind of got a bit of an insight into how Ricky's oh, life sure. and so maybe we can we can delve a bit deeper into some of the stuff that we found interesting. So it might actually, I think it'd be a better episode for people anyway. It's always going to be better second time. If that's even possible, yeah. It was so good the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> they had to be there, guys. <laughs> Literally. Um, so Ricky, uh, you're a member here at the club, but you're a kind of lifelong martial artist. You run uh, PMA here, and uh, were you like the regional director for for, for the UK for the whole yeah, UK? Yeah, yeah, Amazing. Yeah. And um, just tell, give us your backstory. The uh, kind of growing up, getting into martial arts, that whole kind of thing. All right, cool. All right, so um, I started training when I was six. Uh, my dad was my first teacher. Uh, he was. Um, I just love martial arts films, so I was like pestering him to, to teach me because he was an instructor in Hong Kong. Uh, along, um, as I mentioned last time, he was um, my great granddad, and my granddad were also um, kung fu sifus. So, uh, so I was pestering my dad to you know show me some moves and train me like they do, like old school style, like Jackie Chan was trained in his his movies. So, so he did uh, literally trained me the old school way, which was which was um, not what I expected. It was it was actually fa- fairly uh, boring for a, like six year old. So what you said last time was like sitting a like his squat for yeah like- yeah just sitting like literally a squat a horse riding stance for like forty five minutes or thirty minutes <laughs> and uh, I, I yeah. heard once that it could be completely bullshit, yeah. but like when Jackie Chan was training, he had to like hold like a teacup or something at the end of his hand and like if you spill any water and stuff. Oh yeah like- yeah yeah. So in in, in the the, uh, the his, not his biopic but the painted faces I think it was. Where it was talking about how him and his other brothers, Kung Fu brothers, grew up. Um, the training regime was fairly, you know, fairly strict. There was a lot of caning, there was a lot of teacups and stuff like that. I mean, like yeah. uh, Kill Bill in the old yeah, yeah. you guys, like pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's that training you like? Just so, so basically, it would be like if he was in a like a stance of some sort, but they had it like teacups on his because. Um, his his uh, stance, his legs had to be parallel to the ah, floor. So if he had like teacups on there and he came up just a little bit, it would fall, or he would have it on his head. So you know that that kind of thing. It's pretty brutal, man. It is pretty the brutal. used to put you in that position a lot in training. Yeah. He used to call it driving Miss Daisy. He used to have you against the wall, parallel legs and arms out like this, uh, driving Miss Daisy. First one to go, the whole group got thrashed because of them. Really? Yeah, that was if you'd been uh, yeah, That is pretty brutal. That was a really good punishment in the Marines. That was like one of the best ones. <laughs> you, was the nicest ones. Yeah, yeah. Nice one, was it? Yeah, as long as you didn't get wet. <laughs> it wasn't the Bruce Lee side of things you really liked. It was the Jackie Chan, the, the Hong Kong kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I love Bruce Lee as a as a martial artist. A lot of respect for him, obviously, because you know if it wasn't for him, I guess none of us would most likely wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Um, but in terms of his movies, I'm not a big fan because just sure. it's just um, you know I, I guess I grew up in the Jackie Chan era when it was like you know a bit of humor in there. There's a lot of 
Um, it flowed, his fight scenes flowed a lot better, you know, and it, it was it just, for me, it was cooler. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's the reason why I'm not a huge fan of Bruce Lee movies, mm. more so Jackie Chan. Yeah, like, I th- for me, I think, like, Enter the Dragon is like, just kind of like held up there on like a pedestal, but for yeah. me, I, I, don't, I don't think it's like, Fist I'm, of Fury. I'm yet to see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never we should, seen we should Bruce do, Lee like, I think we said this last time, we should do a watch along kind of review. Yeah, I've think, never seen a Bruce Lee, let's put it out there now. And you know, I've, I've never seen a Bruce Lee movie, I've never seen a Jackie Chan movie. Wow. Never seen any martial arts movie. <laughs> You've never seen Rush Hour? <laughs> No, <laughs> we have to give you a list that you have to watch. Yeah, five list. yeah, I'd love to have the time to do it, but no, yeah. never do. So, um, carry on with the yeah. backstory. Yeah. So my dad started teaching me kung fu when I was six, but then um, I actually tried my first um, uh, taekwondo class out when I was uh, on summer holidays at my grandparents and my grandparents in Selby actually. Oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. So, so I spent a lot of time in Selby and and and. I tried Taekwondo there, loved it. So then when I got back to Scotland, I asked my mom and dad if I can go, and they were like, yeah, sure. So so I jumped at the chance, because I didn't have to turn on my dad in. Well, no offense, dad, if you're watching this, but um, but yeah, so, so from that, I just love kicking, even though I have short legs, I love kicking. It probably was the wrong sport for me, because naturally I'm not very flexible, um, but you know, you have to work hard on it, I suppose. And uh, yeah, so I went from Taekwondo, uh, through that, we did a lot of competitions and had the opportunity to represent Scotland and England uh, and so on over the years. Um, some televised, uh, televised events, which was pretty cool. Wow, I didn't, uh, didn't speak about the last time. No, no. Oh, no, no, it's because, it's just because I got my butt kicked on, tele- on national <laughs> TV, so I don't have time to talk about that. <laughs> but it was a great experience. Was your aspirations to be a competitor, like Olympics, when you were a kid, or was that in the... Oh, uh, where were no, you uh, to be honest, I enjoyed competition, um, and, and, but then when it got to the point where you're like, um, kind of almost elite level, and it gets really serious, and it, it takes the fun out of it. You know, I enjoy turning up to the competition and just kicking people in the head, but when, when, when your coach is like, you gotta win this to win this, to get to this, to this, to this, to this, to this it kind of took all the fun out of it. Mm. And, and that's when I was like, I'm not really sure if this is for me anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it was a, at that point, it was, well, yeah, so I started doing that and then, and then I came down to Leeds for, for university. Uh, my, my, um, my girlfriend at the time was here as well and also my, the coach as well was here. So there's loads of reasons why I came down. And, and, and it was around about that time when, uh, well, actually later on, around about in my early 20s when I decided, do I really want to pursue this as a, as a career in terms of competition or do I want to do something else? And that's when I decided to go traveling and trying to go, well, I went to Hong Kong eventually and, and trying to make it as a movie star. This is the stuntman years. This is the this stuntman is years. I wouldn't call myself a stuntman <laughs> just because I didn't actually do any stunts. It was, it was more like a screen fighter kind of, you know. That sounds cooler though. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, screen yeah, fighter yeah, yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, less capable stuntman. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I went to Hong Kong uh, and um, the coolest story is when, you know, talking about Rush Hour was when, uh, before I moved to Hong Kong, I got in contact with uh, a gentleman called Mike Leader, who's editor for Impact Magazine, um, and uh, w- w- they talk about all the like uh, Eastern action movies all the time, and that's basically what they specialised in. So I contacted him, and he said, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, come and come and meet me. You know, I'm just having lunch with a few guys, and and I was like, oh, that's cool. So I went to meet him in this cafe, and then before I know it, all the like the Jackie Chan stunt team were walking in. They were coming in and I recognized them all. And I was like, wow, you know, like, um, even though they were always in the background, but you recognize it's the same people over and over yeah, again. Yeah. 
So, um, so they were, I got talking to them, which was great, and they were telling me that they were just they were really tired because they just uh, finished filming the the, the a scene from uh, Rochelle Two, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so so that that was a cool experience, and then the year after it was a couple of years after that, I, I moved to Hong Kong after traveling around the world, finished in Hong Kong, and then stayed there for a year and you know trying to work get, get into the movies. And you, were you still training a lot when you were traveling? I tried to, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it, it's kind of kind of strange in a way that that um, back when I was training, anyway, in terms of Taekwondo, it was very kind of closed in terms of not I wouldn't say mindset but it wasn't entirely welcoming into you know like I feel that in in in, in jiu-jitsu it's, it's completely different if if I was traveling and I wanted to jump in to you know just obviously let them know people were just walking me in 100%. but in terms of taekwondo it's kind of in my experience anyway it's kind of I didn't get the opportunity to go to different schools that much mm. so I would just went to the gym or kick practice my kicks on the beach has no, that changed at all do you think Somewhat, somewhat. I would say that was part of the reason why I kind of parted ways with Taekwondo. In a way, it was almost like it was like you know, there's all hidden secrets, which there isn't. But but in terms of like sharing ideas, there wasn't really much of that when I was actively involved in Taekwondo. It was like yeah. you know, there's a lot of political things going on as well in terms of the organisation. So that's not why I was in martial arts. I, you know, I'm in martial arts because I love doing it, not mm. not to you know. Be- I have to say, it concerns me whenever anything in life if it's closed. I'm always kind of interested to why. Like, why wouldn't you share it? Why wouldn't you invite people in? And I'm always quite skeptical about that. Yeah. Like, what are you hiding? What What is it that doesn't work that you don't want people to know about? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why Jiu-Jitsu is so honest, because it's like, we're well, getting after it every day. We're sparring like this every day, and it works or it doesn't work. And everyone accepts that and accepts it. And I think then there's no kind of, there's less, it's not ego, but yeah, it feels very different. It. This is going to sound like a really, well, it is a very controversial question. But having experienced all those of the martial arts, are they effective? And if they are, from a self-defense perspective, and if yeah. they are, to kind of what degree? Now you've kind of experienced Ooh, all that. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, it is a I, I was thinking about question. this after okay. the podcast, and I thought, I um, In my opinion, and also experience, I would say that, and I'm quoting um, uh, Mr. Tony Blower here, you know, the uh, uh, Spear, yeah. Uh, PDR. Um, he, you know, I truly believe what he says when he says a lot of martial arts has little or no benefit towards real life self-defense. And it's very true. You know, in my experience in terms of having been a fifth dan in Taekwondo and, you know, like I've never used Taekwondo ever in self-defense. You know, uh, no offense to my friends who are Taekwondo instructors, but, but I, I don't do Taekwondo for self-defense. You know, I do Krav Maga for self-defense. Right. Um, and mainly because when I started working, when I opened my school for the first, my first school, uh, I had to find, I had to um, supplement it by, by working on the doors. And I remember the first couple of months, it was just horrible because I had no idea what to do in terms of, you know, um, physical confrontations, how to deal with the, the, the emotions and the adrenaline rush and also just any sort of restraint techniques or just we got into a lot of fights and I, I really didn't know what to do. Uh, so at that point was when I started to look for the answers to those questions I had. I'm like, why, why doesn't Taekwondo work? Uh, it's not nothing, you know. Um, so then I discovered Krav Maga, and, and as soon as I started doing the drills in Krav Maga, it made a lot of sense. It, you know, the pressure testing, the the, the fatigue drills, because that's how you feel. Yeah. You know, I say to my students, you know, I can teach you several ways to get over a choke, 
But if you can't do it under pressure, and I don't teach you how to do it under pressure or practice under pressure, then it's no good. It's like obviously here, yeah. you know. Uh, I dare say that in my experience here, I would say that I pick up the technical, the techniques really quickly. But then when it comes to live rolling, I'm like, oh, whatever. Well, the pressure again, aren't we? Well, you know, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of worth it. John Danaher was the same, right? Danaher was on the doors in New York. That's right, yeah. Similar yeah. story, kind of. What had he done before boxing, was it? Or? Uh, type, uh, kickboxing. Yeah, kickboxing. He kind of yeah. realised that this isn't the way to kind of like win a fight or control someone. And most of the exchanges were shorter distance and most mm. of them were in a clinch and then you need kind of a clinch. I think where jiu-jitsu has its... Because every nothing's perfect. Whereas yeah. jiu-jitsu has its weakness. If someone punches you, then no matter if you're a black belt, you go down to a brown belt. Then you're... You know what I mean? So you have to change the jiu-jitsu game. I don't think yeah. it's got all the answers. I think you need to kind of fuse a few of them. And I, and I think every martial art has its place. Like it doesn't need to be amazing self-defense. It can yeah. do lots of other things for you, right? Yeah, definitely. But what are the things are that kind of, those martial arts that perhaps aren't self-defense leading, what do they teach people? What do they offer? Well, I, I guess a lot of it is, um, you know, a lot of people um, start martial arts, especially traditional martial arts, you know, the whole white pajamas thing is because they buy into that whole fantasy I suppose and they want to be part of that culture learning the history of the martial arts traditional martial arts that is and just being part of something but also you know the benefits would be whether it's self-defense based or not if you're kicking and punching you're going to get fitter and stronger and more flexible and sure. that that is probably one of the, the more immediate kind of and also for me it doesn't matter if you're here or at premier or any other if this if the classes are interesting enough and they're entertaining and motivating and inspiring enough for you to go back time after time mm -hmm. it's escapism from everyday life right you know and that's why that's why i always feel it's important we talked about last time about when everyone wears the same uniform the etiquette the protocol that's really important to me because you know why we call you coach t and professor mike yep. you know or master lamb is because if if we just came in and called you mike then then to me you're my friend you know right. you, you know you're a friend but but when we're here yeah. You're my instructor. Correct. And, and and that that separates it so then so that when you're in the dojo or the studio, when you come in, because the protocol is, is different from everyday life, it is a it is a way to escape from everyday life in a good way. And also you kind of by doing that, you ha you're kind of handing over responsibility to us to give you something to teach. I mean, you can just kind of sit back as a student and absorb it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's quite important as well. We kind of I did it this morning with, with my performance coach. Like I finished off and signed off have a great weekend coach. I want him to be my coach. I want him to make all the decisions. Like, I'll just do what you say, because yeah. then there's no pressure on me. I can kind of yeah. relax, right? It's like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And yeah. you get that by coming in here, right? Definitely, you're always yeah. the leader, you're always the boss, you're always yeah. the coordinator, but then in here, you're the student again, and yeah. there's no pressure then. That's no, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then that's great. And also, again, it's escapism for me. You know, it's like when I used to, um, I had, kettlebells and all sorts at my old studio when we had two two rooms but i never used to train there right. because it was just like well i'm just here i'm, I'm still master lamb people are still watching me training and they expect me to you know it, it raises my game when i do because you know everyone's, you know, everyone's watching so those kettlebells are, <laughs> are awesome but, but um but yeah so, so what i'm saying with what we were saying before was that if you go to like a martial arts studio and everything was the same as outside the protocol rituals and all that then there's no sense of escape escapism whether you're an, uh, like a an older person or whether you're just a, a kid or a teenager who's going through exams and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. we need to provide that kind of escapism so that 
we know it. We have having a bad day. We go into onto the mats for an hour, and and after we finish, after a good workout, those problems that we had before don't seem so bad anymore. Well, you managed to forget them for an hour. I mean, that's one of the key things. We've said this before on the podcast, but I think Hoyler Gracie said that he felt that jiu-jitsu was like being plugged back into the wall and recharged. And the reason he felt like that was there were no distractions. You were completely present. And you had to be, particularly when you're sparring or specific training or rowing. You have to be present in what you're doing right now. You can't think about the bills. You can't think about your relationship. You can't think about, did that person email me back? You can't even check your phone. Your phone's in the locker in the change rooms, right? That's so important because there's no other time in the day we get to do that, really. No. Even if we go on a walk, I take my phone with me. I might take a picture. I'm not fully present in the walk. Yeah. We go to the gym, you take your phone out to check your workout. You're not fully present in what you're doing. It's one of the only things, martial arts thing, that takes us away, that escapism, and gives us that complete reset for an hour in that day. Yeah. That's worth so much, man. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's, it's also that uh, frame of reference reset where it's like, uh, when your day-to-day stresses get, it's that building on, but then you have, you know, you're about to go do a role with someone that's probably going to beat, you know, beat, beat on you a little bit, and it's like, oh man, I don't do this, but like, you go in and do it, and you get beaten, and it sucks. But then afterwards, everything else in your day seems like a bit better, because it's not as hard as what you've done before. That's so exactly, man. Yeah. I was saying that this week to the guys in the early morning class, like, because we did Mount this week, you know, on the bottom of the Mount, which is yeah. not a nice place. And um, I was saying to them, like, nothing you're going to do today is going to be as hard as that. Like, your boss, I can just start, I'm picturing them in, like, some Zoom call with the boss, and he's talking about figures or numbers and targets. And they must be thinking, listen, I've just been mounted for the last fucking five <laughs> minutes. Like, this isn't tough at all. And I think that gives us that kind of frame of reference. And if you do that one thing, or you come three times a week, and that's the hardest thing you do, life's a breeze, man. Yeah. And that's why it's empowering as well. Yeah. You know? And that's why I used to, when, when I used to own a, a CrossFit box, was... Um... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Just drop it. That didn't come out last time, either. When I used to own a CrossFit box. Go on, tell us about this. Oh, we were one of the... Um... So basically, uh, one of my uh, first black belts, um, he, he started doing, he's been trying out CrossFit back when it wasn't as, as com- uh, not common, it was popular as it is now. And he was like, oh, let's go and do this workout. And I was like, how hard can this be? He was like, <laughs> raving about it for days. And, uh, and had bench press on it. I was like, well, I, I love bench, so, you know. But then after it, like 30 minutes later, I was, abs- I was dying on the floor. I was like, well, I've got to get more of this. So then we decided to go and do our, our level one certification. And then we rented the, the space underneath the martial arts studio and opened uh, oh, nice. CrossFit, uh, uh, CrossFit West Yorkshire. Uh, I ended up selling my shares, but CrossFit West Yorkshire is in great hands of uh, Andre and he's, um, and they're f- called Form now. Which oh, are, is that yeah, Form? Yeah, yeah, Form oh, now, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, go there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great box. Uh, and um, so, so what, what did we talk about the box again? I don't know, you just came out with it. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember now. Um, talking about escapism, weren't we? we were talking about kind of getting away from it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so when I used to coach that, I was, I was always, you know, I uh, was talking about how how the reason why we make our workouts so challenging and difficult is so that we don't suck at life. Right. Because there's, a, you know, every time you come in here, you get through that wad, you get through live training, you get through a drill, it makes you tougher. And, uh, and, and, and therefore that, that mindset is gonna carry on with everything else you do in life. 100%. Yeah, so to me, you know, that's, that's you know, coming here and doing the live rolling and suffering from that, you know, like mm-hmm. with, with Johnny, you know, that's, not, that's never nice. He's very nice when he's rolling with me, but at the same time, it's not nice. 
you know. No, but if you, I mean, if you just saw, let's say, Johnny in the street, yeah, you wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. Mm. Like no one's going to want to get into a fight with that man. Yeah, we get to practice that. Yes. He gets someone of that stature because he's respectful and he's, he, he's a great teammate and everything else. He's not mental, you know, he, he can, can control himself really well. He's got a great jiu-jitsu now. Problem with Johnny is he's going to end up being like an absolute animal. Because yeah. he's a student of the game, an ex-professional, just like Holly. They take information, they process it, they develop. He's going to be an absolute beast. But it's amazing to be able to experience that, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to run because this is important. I've got to get a haircut. So I have to get a haircut this week. It's the only time I scheduled it. I didn't know we were going to do this again. So I'm going to sign off. But I want you guys to continue and make sure we get a great episode out of it. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. I'll be looking. Have a good haircut. Very handsome by the time. What shall I do? Shall I go for like full skin fade? Well, I'm going to go for the Ricky Lamb. I think. If I ask for the Ricky Lamb. Undercut, I think. Undercut. Undercut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say about that. It's like I think it's so empowering for like people to to do either martial arts or just anything that's difficult because I think we're in a bit of an echo chamber of kind of high performers, like the people that we kind of hang around with here in the community, I'm sure at PMA yeah. and, and, and all the other kind of things we do. But I think for maybe even like a majority of people, they don't have that in their lives and they kind of just go through life, they go, they go to work in the morning and they just kind of watch TV at night yeah. and then they just get ready for the next thing and they wait for the, live for the weekend and go out for holidays and, they don't really have that kind of challenge, and yeah, yeah. I feel sorry say. for them, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, it's just, and before you know it, you know, you 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 you're um, see it, you're you're old, and you reflect on your life, and you think, mm. what have I done? I mean, you know, there's one podcast that I, re- I can't remember what it was. It was in the gym, but one of those, you know, I, when I'm going through whatever it is, if it's top training session, I always put some sort of motivational podcast on, whether it's Jocko right. Willink or wherever. But I remember uh, in one of them, they were the guy was saying about how how ninety nine percent of people in the world nobody ever notices you coming or going, you know. And they were talking about how in your gravestone, you know, the first day is the first day is uh, is where you were born. The, obviously, the, the the second day is the the the, the time that, you know when you die. But the dash in the middle is the important part. You know mm. what you're going to do with that dash in the middle. Are you going to make a positive impact in your life? Leave a legacy. And that's what I always think about. Um, you know, in terms of uh, like, uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, another you know like um, um, motivational speaker, and and he and it's kind of not morbid, but he always says um, you know one thing that he thinks about is um, is who's going to come to my funeral. Mm. You know, have you made such an impact or enough impact on people's lives that hundreds and thousands of people, it's not obviously a popularity contest, that's what he's talking about, it's just whether he's made that impact on people's lives that yeah. they will turn up to his funeral. Yeah. And to me, that, that's, that's really important. Have you read uh, David Goggins' book, um, Can't Hurt Me? No, I'm, I'm listening to the, 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 the audio book. Yeah. If yeah. I say I've read something, I've 99% of the time listened to the audio book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a terrible reader. But uh, it's not really a spoiler, but I like, in like the last, I know, it's, I know where it is, it's like the last seven minutes of that, of that audio book. Yeah. You think he goes a bit off piste and uh, he talks about, in his head, whatever he believes kind of God to be, and he doesn't really outline that, but he, he thinks about it. He goes like, right, when I die, I'm going to go up to the, you know, St. Peter's Gates or wherever it is, and they're going to show me all the things that I could have been had I made some different choices. Right. And like, and he thinks back to yeah. when he was 300 pounds and killing yeah. uh, roaches and stuff. And like, if he just continued with that life and, and gave up, he would, you know, he would be looking at 
the David Goggins now, like ultra distance yes. athlete, kind of inspiring yeah, yeah, yeah. people all over the world. He's like, fuck, I could have been that guy. Yeah. Like if I just like if I just worked a bit harder, I made yeah, yeah. some better choices. And that's kind of always I'm I'm in my, that's in my head like oh fuck like at the end like are you gonna have lived the best kind of version of your possible of life? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard on the same podcast, not David Goggins, but someone else said that as well about how going to you know going to heaven and 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 you get introduced to the best your best version mm. and it is exactly the same. It's like yeah, it's, this guy managed to do this 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 and this and this is the relationships he had, the impact he had in the world and and all that and it does it makes you think about it, doesn't it? You know how you're living your life yeah. and and um, how you can actually do more, you know. Um, there's nothing wrong with people want to live for the weekend and do, if that's what makes them happy, I suppose. But what, what I'm trying to, and what we're trying to bring out as in martial arts instructors is that there's, there's more to life than that. You can do more with your life, you can achieve more and experience more. And, and, and myself as a parent, I wanna be that positive role model for my, my, my boys, you know, for, for mm. them to, you know, I, I, it's important to me to like, when they're older, and they look back to who I am or, or how I've helped them or how I've influenced them. I want them to think of me as somebody who has, who has helped them become the person that they are in a good way. Yeah. And not, not like, you know, develop any bad habits from me. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, how you kind of introduced the boys to, to martial arts because um, obviously they're, they're here and they're yeah. at PMA and I'm not sure if they do anything else as well, but... Um, was did you always know if you had children they definitely have to do martial arts or are you going to leave it up to them? I was actually fairly because um, most of the instructors that I know uh, in taekwondo anyway, the kids never really liked mm. martial arts just because they were always part of it, they were always around it, so never really taken to it. So I was kind of quite um, scared about that because I've, I've always wanted my boys, or you know, they weren't obviously I didn't know they were going to be boys, but my children too enjoy martial arts as much as I I do. Um, but it just, it just kind of, they just kind of fell into it almost. It wasn't planned. I suppose we always were going to enroll them into the into our classes. And back then we had the tiny champions classes, which were three to four year olds. So, so we started Jack just before he was three, uh, because Harry was gonna, you know, he was he was uh, about to to be born, <laughs> like a couple of weeks later. So we thought we'll start him first, and then we'll go yeah. from there. So he started that, and 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 same with Harry. He started when he was three, and they just love it. And, and it, it, you know, I don't personally teach them that much. I do do some private lessons with them if we want to tighten their certain things up with them or, or whatever. But, but generally, I let the instructors that, that, that teach for me do, do their mm. job and, and they do such a great job. You know, sometimes the, the boys are like, I remember one time when Jack was, was, was small, uh, not small, he's probably about five, he's nine now. And we were going, we were making one of those, um, I don't know what it was, but it was, uh, it's not Lego, but it's all metal. So, you know, like remote control kind of metal. Meccano type stuff. Yeah, Meccano type yeah, stuff, yeah. right? But it was really fiddly. And uh, it was definitely not for a five-year-old. So I was trying to, I was trying to make this for him. It got so frustrating. And I just kind of just put it down and I just looked at it. And Jack was next to me. And he went, and he looked, at, right up, he looked up at me and said, Daddy, black belts don't give up, do they? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> carry on now. <laughs> Two days later, I'm still there trying to. But but he said that and said, oh, who taught you that? I said, oh, Mr. Brandon, obviously, his instructor, who you know was was my um, one of my students. He was like, Mr. Brandon taught me that. I was like, mm. oh, excellent. And now he's quoting back the things right. that he learned from class 
to me, which which goes to show that that what we teach is effective. What you know, what you guys teach is effective. What you say to them is 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 because I still remember you know things that my instructor says to me, mm. you know, from when I was a kid. So so you know we we do have a huge responsibility as instructors to make sure that we're we're giving them the right kind of um, dialogue, I suppose. Yeah, they really remember what you say. Eh? Like mm -hmm. I remember. Um, there was one class, uh, I won't mention the kid, but uh, uh, we were giving out, I was doing the classes that day and um, we were, they, we have the special recognitions awards, right? Yeah. For people that, you know, it's just a nice way of recognizing if someone's done well. And no one had really kind of reached the standard I set for it that, that <laughs> day. Um, but there was, a, there was a kid was like, you were almost there. So I'm gonna give you like a point for, for like, Next time, if you do really good, I'm gonna give you it just on the accumulated great effort you put in. Yeah. Uh, and like a week later, I'd completely forgotten about it. <laughs> like, oh, but he remembered. Yeah, like, yeah, he was like, yeah. I've got my point. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, yeah. yeah. No, it's true. The kids do remember what you say and, and and how you behave and how you act, and that's the reason why during the the the, the lockdown, um, you know, the first well, to just the whole last year, um, you know. Myself and Katie, my wife, we were like talking about it, and we, we were, you know, it could be a stressful time or it could be a great time in terms of, you know, family life. So mm -hmm. we decided that we don't want the boys to look back on, on the lockdown or, you know, the great lockdown, but, you know, when they're older and think about, or, or as a time when mom, mom and daddy were just super stressed about the studios closing down and all the financial stresses. But we want them to think about the, and, and uh, you know, like the evening family walks that we went on, the barbecues that we had, the, you know, uh, them helping us teach Zoom classes and, and all that, you know, rather yeah. and movie nights that we had, rather than thinking of that period of time as being like a super stress time. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, it's all about experiences, isn't it? Well, you know, that's that. Do you feel like there might be added pressure for the boys at PMA, kind of being your kids, like, like at higher expectations on them or like other parents like looking at them like, oh, Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that um, Jack, because he's older, he is aware of it. Mm. Uh, so, so he does, he does, he, he knows that, that that is what happens. Um, Harry generally just goes in and gives us, not that Jack doesn't, but Harry just gives it his all anyway. Right. So, so you know, that's all I can ask for him and, yeah. and, and Jack does as well. So. But, but, you know, because Jack's older, technical proficiency, he needs to be a little bit more, you know, like tighter, mm. if you know what I mean. So, so, you know, a little bit more strict on him. But Harry just goes on there and just does his thing, you know, and it's great to see. So, so yeah, there is a little bit of pressure, but I try not to put too much of that pressure because I want them to enjoy it. Mm. Like, like here, I want them to, to enjoy, you know, doing what they're doing because they want to do it, not because I want them to do it. Um, and, and I feel that we can achieve that yeah. just because they love coming here. Have either of them at any point kind of wanted to stop martial arts or, or have they always kind of been consistent? Uh, no, they've been pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, ha uh, Jack has never said he wanted to stop. Howie just sometimes falls asleep in the car, wakes up before class and is a bit grumpy. Right. But that's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's probably yeah. of his age, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What, what do you find... Um, like we have a thing here, uh, like Gracie Baja have a thing where it's like uh, kids don't quit, kind of parents quit. In your experience, like, what's what's how would you agree with that? Would you disagree? Like, what's your experience with that? My experience is that it is very frustrating as an instructor. For uh, well, there's two two sides to it. Me thinking of it as a parent, and me thinking of it as an instructor. Mm. I, you know, before I had kids, I always thought, right, you know, you're you're the parent. You, you can tell the kids what to do, and and if they, you want them to come to martial arts, you make them come to martial arts. Uh, because you know, you know it's it's good for them. 
Uh, but then as a parent, you know, having to deal with a five-year-old after school, not wanting to come to classes and just have to drag them to classes day in, day out is very hard going, you know? So yeah. I do understand that. However, there is a way to approach it in that if that ever happens, whether it's here or whether it's in Premier, is, is to speak to instructors. Because sometimes it, all it takes is a chat from an instructor to kind of can they understand where the kid's coming from? Why are they feeling bored? Or why are they not really, you know, what is it that, they, why, why don't they want to come to class? Because it could be a little thing like, they might have been uh, rolling uh, with a, with another kid and the kid said something to them that they, they translated uh, as, as not being very nice and that's putting them off coming to classes. But sometimes, you know, it just takes a little, like a little chat. I always tell the parents that as instructors, we're like the external voice that every parent needs mm. because, I could say something to the instructor, uh, to, to my boys, but they might not listen to me, but I could get you, a Professor Mike, or one of the premier instructors to have a word with them, and that would instantly have an effect. Right. You know, so, so I would say that, that, that um, as parents, don't give up so easily on the kids, because the magic doesn't happen in terms of martial arts within a few weeks. You know, a lot of improvements, improvements do happen within a few weeks, but the real magic happens over a longer period of time. And no matter how much you enjoy something, if you have, you're going to, there will be times when you don't want to do it. You know, that's, that's it. but that's when instructors and parents have to work together as a team to make make sure that that, that the kids don't quit and the parents don't quit on the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I had um, one of the most memorable ones was uh, a kid who wouldn't go onto the mats to train, but then we would let the parent go on the mats with them, like say for the first, uh, first two minutes of a class and then it slowly became four minutes uh, less time she would be on the mats less yeah. time and he ended up being a great great student you know right. so it's about it is about parents not giving up but at the same time as an instructor i do understand where they're coming uh, as a parent i do understand where they're coming from but it, it's the mindset is how you kind of frame it around around what's happening and, yeah. and what you do to solve that problem rather than going it, you know because to me allowing a kid to quit because it's too hard or they're bored sets the wrong mindset right. so therefore later on in life they'll be thinking oh, oh you know if you do that consistently i tried football i didn't like it or i've got bored so it's too hard i quit I did in martial arts oh it's too hard i quit what's that what's that saying to the child like it's all right to quit when you when you you know that's the bad kind of way to yeah. to, to, to to live because you know we want you know our students to be successful and they're not going to do that if they quit every time something gets difficult for sure yeah and uh, just before I can keep moving on, but what is your aspirations for the boys? Would you like them to go into like the martial arts kind of career kind of field, or do you want them to stay away from that? Where, where it, is that like? It's completely up to them. They have different ideas on what they want to want, want to be. You know, as a dad, yes, I would love them to be part of part of the the the, the, the schools that you know the, and the future schools that will be opening. However, if they, they, they want to try other things, you know, that's great. But, you know, in Premier, we have our leadership team and Jack does help to teach and, you know, like assist and yeah. like Coach Gabe does. Um, and it's great to see that. And if the, he wants to carry on doing that later on, you know, it's, it's a good way for, to, for him to develop those skills as, as a kid. And then later on, you know, maybe do what he wants to do. Yeah. But if he wants to be, you know, he wants to be an influencer, a YouTuber, and <laughs> Harry wants to be an explorer. So... Let them do what they want to do, but they'll always have martial arts. Amazing, yeah. So, um, kind of going back a bit, like, tell me about how PMA came about and, and where did you start off with that? Uh, so, I 
opened the, the back then it was called the Leeds Taekwondo and uh, Leeds Taekwondo Centre. Uh, and this was after you travelling, right? Uh, after travelling, yeah. this is around about two thousand and six when we opened. Uh, so I came back from 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 Hong Kong af- after my stint of trying to be an action movie star. Obviously, that didn't pan out. So I came back and and, and spent a couple of years uh, prepping to open a, a martial arts school, and we eventually got there. Uh, and then six months into it, I realised that I had no idea how to run the business. I was I was pretty good at teaching. I was pretty good at taekwondo, but that doesn't bring and you know you, any business in, as it were. And, and and so I had to, as I said before, work in the doors as a as a bouncer. Um, then then um, I met a friend at the gym who was also a taekwondo instructor, Paul, uh, and he he said to me that he he joined Premier recently and they have a, like a seminar or a workshop. A weekend with all the instructors from from the states. So so did I want to go? And I said yes. Uh, so we went along. I was very impressed with everything that were they had going. That and it basically filled the gaps that I needed in terms of business systems and teaching management and everything that it takes to to, to run a successful martial arts school. Um, so yes, yeah, so I signed up to that, and, and then we end up being being called because I didn't want to let go of my taekwondo kind of background. So so we end up being called Leeds Taekwondo and Premier Martial Arts Centre, uh, which was a bit of a mouthful. But but then eventually we just became Premier Martial Arts, and and that when we fully embraced Premier Martial Arts, that's when we we started to um, become um, more successful and and you know and so on. And that's when you had, the last time you talked about embracing the the system fully because you were. You're trying out different things, like a little bit of this, a little bit. Yeah, of that yeah. So, so initially it was um, it, we look at the business systems, and I guess you know I was cherry picking the ones I liked, mm. and then just forgot about you know just kind of just brushed the other ones away just for different excuses, um, and 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 it didn't work because I wasn't getting the results that all the other guys, my peers in the states, were getting. So I remember going to the states and meeting some of the guys who were very successful, and I was like, what was it? What is it that you're doing that I'm not? And and or was it that you're doing? And he pointed to my mentor, um, Mr. Vanover, and says, "Well, whatever that guy tells me to do, I do it." So then, then after that, um, uh, I had a call with Mr. Vanover, and we decided that I was gonna we we're gonna experiment. I was gonna pretend that I'm his employee. He was my boss, and whatever he told me to do, I would do it, no questions asked. And then from that point, uh, it, we just went from strength to strength, really. Yeah. And how how did that develop in terms of you needing then like coaches and did you change facilities and how did that work? So yeah, as as we got as we got bigger, uh, we needed more assistant instructors. Um, so we started the certified instructors program to train instructors up for that, uh, and also the leadership program. I mean that's really paid off, um, especially in the last few years when those a lot of those guys who were started in the leadership program when they were eight or nine are now. A lot older in the twenties, yeah. and, and a lot of them, you know, have come to me recently as well, and, and said that you know, finished university, I've done a, uh, you know a few jobs, but I realised that my passion still lies in martial arts. Mm. Do you have any opportunities for me? You know, so so therefore that's the reason why we're we're able to expand more. Yeah, uh, and, and I feel great because that means that I get to give these guys a career in, in terms of what they what they want to do as well. Um, in terms of facilities, we moved from a, a kind of smaller one to a bigger one. That kind of kind of happened by accident, but but we did, and and that allowed us more space to, to have bigger classes. And the funny thing was, we went from that to a much bigger studio because of the car parking issues that we had. But then it turns out that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I made in my career because looking after this monster super school of 
500 students and 8,000 square feet mm. was took a lot, a huge amount of work, right. huge amount of work. And um, and I, I, during that time is when I started to realize that I missed having a smaller school. And that's why all the, our schools now are all a little bit smaller because it's more intimate. You kind of, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, you build more of a tribe and the mm. community. And that's that's what it's about really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have like, or does PMA have their own like, um culture that they kind of try and nurture or did you have your own that you kind of envisaged for um, your different academies, like things you really wanted to nail down? I mean, back in the day, it was pretty much what we wanted, mm. but over the years, um, we have become more, you know, one of our, our, our hashtags is one team, one family. Mm. And over the, over the years, um, we've had people, we have people within our organization who are very influential in a good way and, and it's in you know, the culture, the premier culture has developed, you know, fr from that. Yeah. You know, so, so now, so now, even though there are individual kind of quirks, I suppose, and, and, and differences in each studio, but generally when you walk into a premier martial arts school, it's pretty much the same. Right. Uh, you know, the, from the way we teach to the structure that you, you like, like you guys, the warm ups, the, the, the content of the classes is all laid out. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the instructors can interpret it like in terms of the pace. The, not even the pace actually, because when we're teaching instructors how to teach, we kind of like to teach them how to pace a class out, you know, even down to tonality of voice, body language, we talk about all that stuff just to make it more entertaining for the, the children um, so that it's, um, so, so they're having a great time basically. I think like in like the business of martial arts or just mar martial arts and schools in general over like the last 15 years probably, yeah. it's like, there's been just a growing gap of the ones that do it professionally and the ones that still have like a old school kind of vibe to it. Um, and I think the gap is almost going bigger and bigger between like the ones that are like up to date with modern business practices and the ones that are just kind of staying behind and they're a bit stuck in their ways. Yep. Have you found that as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, doing what I do, um, being a business coach in terms of martial arts schools, um, I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of martial arts school owners and, and there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference and it's very frustrating too in that, you know, people, there's some, even nowadays, you know, some instructors who think that direct debits are unethical and and they have no idea what a class plan is. They just kind of wing it and, and kind of teach what they want, you know. Uh, a lot of them, to my knowledge, refuse to teach online because, oh, you can't learn martial arts online. You know, I'm like, well, it's not about learning martial arts online. It's about giving your your students that structure of what they had during the lockdown. You know, mm -hmm. I said to a lot of them, like, even if you don't like teaching online, learn to teach online. And even if you're you're not getting paid for it, you have to do it anyway because we, you know, if you if this if your students are used to seeing you two three times a week. Uh, before the lockdowns, and then all of a sudden you take that away from them, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna like it's gonna affect them in a negative way. Yeah. So you gotta keep, you know, giving them that structure. And a lot of those students would drop off, right? In in the, in well, it ended up being a very long time, but, yeah. <laughs> but in, yeah. in however long, you know, a couple of weeks can be a massive amount of time for someone to get if, if their routine's been disrupted. Yeah. I know for me, if I have like a day yeah. out of a routine, like yeah. the week's probably gonna go like yeah. choppy, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think with everything, man, like. Um, like marketing especially like the social kind of stuff websites you still see some martial arts schools now like when we were building this place we did like a lot of research on on websites from you know here, here in the UK in America and yeah. we looked at ones that were like 
like really good, and yeah. then you saw some ones that were just absolutely shocking, like uh, homemade ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, yeah, it's just that professionalism. It's just there is a big gap. As you said, you know, some of the websites out there are making. We're getting a new one built at the moment, and 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 there's there's huge development in terms of websites and what they can do now. Yeah, yeah. which is amazing to see, and even in terms of like um, the material that you put out there. And, you know, you guys do a great job with the podcasts and the, all the, the posts and things like that. Um, and, and the, you know, the Jits Fix and, and it's great. And, and, and it's just, but then there, there are some people who, who still don't know how to sign in to Facebook and post a picture up, yeah. you know. Um, it's just, you know, one of the things that I always say that if your program, what you teach is that good, then why are you not telling the world about it? Yeah, and exactly. That's, right. that's basically, and that's you know, going back to Gary V, like you don't need to have gone to university for marketing or something to do it. It's like just document what you're doing, put it out there, go share it. Or in the martial arts community, there's a guy I don't know if you heard of like Swapnil. Uh, Swapnil. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like got some great content out there, but yeah. like people still just mug it off and don't do any of it. It's like yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on some things that we touched on last time. Yeah. Um, in any order you like. Okay. <laughs> You fit the 12 meter transformation. Right, yeah. I'd love to talk about the Batman Begins story. Okay, yeah. Um, what else are we touching on? Something else? It'll come to me. Uh, okay. What, what movies, I think it was, we did quite a bit oh, of. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but, but yeah, you fit. Um, you know, uh, uh, this is, I'm in phase two now. You're in phase one. Well, phase one, end of week the, two. Yeah, and the Professor Mike is doing it as well in the last month, which is the toughest one. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So basically, um, a lot of my friends in the states, funnily enough, even though Johnny's based in Garfield, um, uh, were his clients, and they got amazing results. And even though I haven't spoken to Professor Mike about it, it's, it's very similar in that our training has always been very consistent, but our nutrition hasn't. You know, in that we train really hard, but then we just eat whatever we want. But but obviously that's not the best way to get great performance or to look good or to feel good. So then coming out of the lockdown, the third lockdown, I was thinking, well, well, you know, having reflected on what I want for the next five years, it's going to take a lot of energy and time and, and you know, and to lead the team, I need to be in great shape. So, so that's, uh, you know, I messaged Johnny and, uh, and started, you know, started doing it. And, and initially, he, you know, his, his initial question was, um, how much weight do you want to lose? And I was like, oh, just a couple of kilograms maybe. I don't think I have that much to lose. You know, my before picture, on its own, to me, when I looked at it, I was like, that's okay. There's yeah. a muscle definition, there's a little bit of a six pack there. Um, but then, you know, looking at that, and then my actual end picture, is, is, is quite embarrassing looking at the the, the, the first picture. Mm. So so the, the experience be, is great, you know, um, a lot of, uh, I've learned a lot in terms of nutrition and habits and things like that. And uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ingrained now. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm on phase two, uh, I'm five weeks into phase two, which means that my my last my last week on phase one, which is twelve weeks, I was on 1,200 calories, and I, I got down to 68 kilograms from 79, so I lost 11 kilograms. But then when I got to, um, uh, but now I'm five weeks into phase two, and I'm on uh, double the amount of calories. But but like uh, yesterday morning, I weighed myself and I was 68.3. So, right, so, you're not really, so yeah, I haven't yeah. really put, so it's great, you know, yeah, I get yeah. to eat pretty much whatever I want. 
uh, and not really put on that much weight at all. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to those days. Yeah, so those are, you yeah. got to get through the next 10 weeks first, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's definitely worth, you know, getting as shredded as you can and then... Yeah, yeah. I think it's similar for me, man. Like, I've never really, really looked the part of the yeah. martial artist, like, <laughs> considering like, how much you train, like, yeah. you know, like... I remember like, back when I was in the Thai boxing as a kid, like five hours a day sometimes, yeah. like multiple days in a row, and you're still just like, man, like just, <laughs> just random guy down the street with good genetics looks way better than me. Yeah. I come out with like Michael J. White or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about uh, the Batman Begins story, man, because that's such a good story, like uh, you working on that. All right, cool, yeah. So after coming back from Hong Kong, um, we did a, couple of, I did a couple of small movies there and, and met a lot of my heroes. Um, so I came back to open the school and then I got a call from, um, from one of the stunt coordinators and said that we're looking for some, you know, uh, some, uh, good screen fighters, uh, somebody gave me your name, would you like to come down? So I went down, uh, kind of did the audition for it. And then, uh, and then we got the, I got the part of one of the shadow warriors. Um, so we were there for a couple of months and, um, we were doing a lot of like forms and just practicing all sorts of things. Uh, to get ready to go onto the set. And then we finally got onto the set and then and then uh, the director, Chris Nolan, he was uh, he, he just basically didn't want any of the things that we worked on. Because it didn't really fit in with the set anyway. The set was a lot smaller than the what we practiced in. So we ended up just doing that those scenes in uh, Shadow Water, uh, the, the, the monastery, where we're just stepping back and forth and doing drawing our sword and that was it. You know, yeah. it was <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that, that was all that uh, was it. But it was a great experience, you know, I met some of the still great friends now a lot of them are doing amazingly well in the in the movie industry um uh and, and all just you know all fantastic you know martial artists from different backgrounds which is great because everyone was you know watching watching everybody and the people who are doing wushu and there was like these like world champion kickboxers and then you know uh, all sorts of people like shaolin kung fu guys and it was uh and it's great to still see them on online on facebook and know that they're still active yeah yeah that's so cool man do you think um do you think you would have ever what stopped you kind of pursuing the 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 roles with the films and stuff um it was part i mean i didn't find working on maybe because i wouldn't have that much to do but i found that the whole process fairly tedious <laughs> because it is a long day mm. when you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again i suppose if i was a stunt coordinator or worked up to be somebody of some sort of importance, then uh, then it would be a lot more interesting. But for for me, I was I, I, it wasn't very fulfilling yeah. to do, you know. Um, uh, so that was part of the reason. But then my my passion is it was always been to teach martial arts anyway. So you know um, that area never really bored me. Whereas film work, whether I'm performing, whether I'm you know it, it did kind of there were certain areas that I wasn't really that interested in. Uh, whereas that never really happened with, with, with teaching martial arts, owning a martial arts school. So um, so I decided to push that a little bit more. Right? And then, you know, we get, I got a lot busier with it and, and it just the film work never really took off, which, you know, which is, which is fine. But, For sure, man. Yeah, but it, it was a great experience, as I said. You know, it's always, it was always cool to, on the Facebook, every year it comes up, you know, 10 years ago, or yeah, whatever, 15 yeah. years ago, this is... This is you. Yeah. yeah, it's always nice to see that. Speaking like kind of passion for teaching martial arts, for like you personally, what separates like a good instructor between like a great instructor? Uh, I would say that the uh, knowledge of what you're teaching is obviously very important. Um, I mean, a lot of people think that's that's pretty obvious, but there are a lot of instructors who are teaching and just like we talked about, just wing it. You mm -hmm. know, they don't 
plan the classes, not even so much the content, but actually how, how they're going to teach it. And, and it is also important for an instructor, a great instructor to be able to deliver their class that's, that, that's specific to that age, you know, how they speak to the kids and then teaching the same to the adults is, is a very different, yeah. you know, you need to approach that in a very different way. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so that's, that's what, and just, you know, just be, um, you need to be passionate about what you do and that you need to be able to communicate that. You know, I always say to my instructors that, that when you're planning a class or you're planning a drill, um, you need to, or how, you need to want to do that class. Because if you don't want to do it, uh, then, it shows. Then yeah. it shows, yeah. Yeah, so you need to be clear about that. And, 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 and it's going to be the best thing ever. You know, you got to, you got to sell it as the best thing. Not sell it, but you got to, with the way you teach it, it should be inspiring so that people do want to, you know, be better at it, really. So that's the difference. You know, people, there are instructors who, who are, are, are really good technicians, but they'll go on the mats, but they don't necessarily, um, they don't necessarily, um, uh, I guess, show their passion. But then there are people who are not that as technical, but but they're just very animated, so they do to do very well on the, on the mats. You know, both are very good, but to be a great instructor, I put those two things together. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's one of those things where if you not necessarily all like it's two different skill trees in a way, yeah, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. being just because you're a, let's say a great you know competitor or something yeah. doesn't always make you a great instructor. It's like and not that the two are mutually exclusive, but but it's not they're not you know always the same branch. Um, for you then, do you think you'll, do you think, do you, see, do you ever see yourself stepping away from martial arts and PMA or do you think you just always be there? No, so, I think I'll always yeah. be here just because, um, you know, people ask me about exit, having an exit plan, but you don't really need one if you enjoy what you do. You yeah. know, it's, um, like one of our, like our, our, our um, chief grandmaster, uh, Al Ghazar, uh, in, in the States, he has three martial arts schools. His son runs his martial arts schools for him. I can't quite remember how old he is, but I would say in his 60s or whatnot. Um, but he doesn't actively go into the schools and teach, but he's still actively involved in the schools. You know, he's still very clearly, he is the leader of the schools and it's mm -hmm. great to see that. And I remember going to visit his school, they're teaching one of his schools. Um, and, and this uh, uh, gentleman who works for him said, well, I trained him, uh, Master Garza back in the day and my son trained with him, and now my grandsons are training with him, wow. and it's it's a great, it's an amazing yeah. legacy to see, and it was really cool because we were there at the school, and it was instructors training, so I was teaching the instructors, uh, the curriculum and whatnot, uh, and just fine tuning that stuff, and then, but his community was so strong that 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 night or one of the nights, um, they kind of cleared out the whole school and got lots of tables and chairs, and all the parents just bought food in and fed all the instructors. So we had a big massive wow. buffet of barbecue because it was Texas mm. and, and it was great. It, you know, yeah. we they just invited us all in and we had a great time. Those are like the special moments I think you really remember from training martial arts, like the kind of people you meet and those really strong connections you build, like some, some of our best friends, like yeah. the people I trained with when I was like, you know, six years old and, and there's nothing really, I think on the mats, like I would learn or in jiu-jitsu or in Thai boxing that is as valuable to me as like those connections that I yeah. made with those people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Do you still keep in touch with many people that you were like, grew up doing martial arts with? Yeah, a lot of people that I grew up doing martial arts with, um, 
actually don't do martial arts anymore. Right. Uh, a few of them are instructors now, yeah. and obviously I see them on Facebook and I, you know I talk to them. Yeah. Uh, but but a lot of the people that I do stay in communication with and on talking on a regular basis are the guys that I met on Batman Begins. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I mean a lot more more of my kind of strong bond and, and, and friendships, I suppose, comes from the, the just the premier instructors and the you know the the colleagues that that we've seen. You know, like we all had the small school at the beginning. We all, you know, we all went to the same Kramaga level one certifications and all that, and we kind of all have two or three schools, and some of them have crazy number of schools. So, so those are the guys that I kind of uh, tend to like, kind of communicate yeah. with more or, or, or hang out with more. Um, but in terms of the ones that I, the, the guys that I used to train with when I was a kid, there's not really many that I would uh, that, that I, I know of now who still train. What do you think the um the drop-off rate is for people uh, within martial arts or like within PMA. Like, do you see like an average amount of time trained? Like, is it? Um, uh, there is there the drop-off. The, the the biggest drop-off point is depending on the school is um, the first three months. So, right. for example, the onboarding process wasn't welcoming enough, I suppose. Yeah. And people don't feel part of it. Then then they tend to drop off really quickly. Yeah. You know. So that one process is important, but then also um, prob probably around about the intermediate stage for us, around about the mm. year and a half to year mark, when when they've come to been come to class for a while and progress maybe slows down a little bit, they're finding things a little bit frustrating. And yeah. they're not, you know, they're not they're not progressing as fast. Um, then they, that drop off point. Or they get to that intermediate stage and get into the advanced stage and realize that advanced you have to step up, and and you can't just carry you can't get the same results you can't get new better results by doing what you used to do like mm -hmm. if you used to training twice a week and you got to intermediate then when you get to advanced you got to do a little bit more you know it, it kind of it's, it's quite obvious but a lot of people don't realize that or maybe they just don't want it uh, so, so yeah around that stage is the drop off point. Uh, and it's simply maybe because their why isn't strong enough. We talked about it last time. You know, your why has got to be strong enough. If you yeah. if you want your black belt, then you know it doesn't matter how many times you get tapped out. It doesn't matter how many times you get punched in the face or how hard the testing was or whatever. It, it, it it's a step closer. Every time that happens, it's a step closer to that black belt or that end goal. And if you want it enough, you stick to it. If you don't, then you won't. And that that's as simple as that, really. Yeah. 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 I like to. I just think about my goals in martial arts anyway is as a less of a physical thing nowadays. I think it more like I want to live my life kind of in the spirits of martial arts and, and what that means to me at least. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of that pursuit of a perfection that you never really achieve. Yes. And and therefore like there's always like another bit to grow into. Yeah. And because one day I will get my black belt and then yeah. it, then it's like oh well what do I do now? Well <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. yeah yeah it can't just be that yeah. black belt it has yeah. to be. You know, I always say to, to, to the guys, my team or the students about when you're setting goals, it's not on your why, it's not so much what you achieve, it's it's who you become, but also how how it makes you feel at that point. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because, or, or what will it enable to you to do is, is more important than actually achieving that goal itself. Mm. Because as you said, you get to that goal, that ultimate goal, and then you're like, what happens now? Yeah. And that's... Or you know. the thing is like, you, you never really recognize how far you come and it's just like right next goal next goal next yeah. goal and yeah. it's like 
Uh, and you never really take the second to reflect and be like, wow, I've actually like, you know, yeah, come a long way from day yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's important. You know, I, I'm sure you say that to the students here as well, is don't compare yourself with other people. Compare yourself with yourself a month ago, a week ago. Yeah. Have you improved? And sometimes I have to remind myself when I'm on there, you know, because obviously being a, I guess, a, a high level martial artist and somebody who's been doing it for a long time, I, my expectations are fairly high when I'm on, when I, when I'm on, when I'm training. Uh, but then, but then I have to constantly remind myself I'm I'm just a beginner mm. at jujitsu. So, you yeah, know, the, the, just enjoy the process. It was similar yeah. for, for me, man. When I came to my first uh, jujitsu class at Harrogate, trained Thai boxing for fifteen years. I just left the Marines. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of considered myself all right. I had done like a month of jujitsu before with Mike, um, but a few years back, and uh, I got to my first session at Harrogate and. We rolled the first night and um, like, cause it was a bit, it was a newer school back then. They weren't as, as kind of formal. And like where we wait till you get at least one stripe. And uh, I rolled with Luke, who's like a super nice guy, but he's a young kid. He's, he was 18 at the time, tall, gangly ginger guy. It's like, yeah. you know, didn't think much of him, right? right. <laughs> he was a four stripe white belt. Right? Oh, okay, right. So I didn't even, you know, I didn't really understand what that was. He like, this guy's a white belt. Like, I'm sure we'll have a, Decent role. Yeah. And within six minutes, he tapped me out like every minute on the minute. Like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, and, yeah. uh, and I was like, wow, like this is just like, but it was so cool just again to be, to be a student at something again, to, yes. to, yeah, to have something new. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask it, it came up, I just thought about it when you were talking earlier, it was like, if I gave you a month off, you got to take it. Yeah. And ultimate freedom in terms of finance and ability to travel and, and do anything. But you had to do something within the world of martial arts. Yeah. Where would you go and what would you do? Um, it's funny you should say that actually, because there are so many options. But I would say right now, because the momentum of, I was saying that to Katie the other day about the momentum of um, jiu-jitsu. Um, it, it, I'm enjoying it so much, then I would probably just immerse myself in jiu-jitsu. Whether right. it's here, because yeah. I, I just live down the road, I don't <laughs> travel the other side of the world today, yeah, yeah. you guys are great instructors. So uh, so just being able to do that. And, and that's 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 part of my kind of lifestyle desi design goal, is to, is, to, um, is to be able to do that. Mm. You know, I generally can do it now anyway, but to be able to, you know, like every, every night I'm, I'm here, and for example, like if I were working on my own and certain things didn't quite work out for me, then I'll go home and watch some videos and stuff. I'm trying to figure this out. You know, I love to be able to just do that full time. Yeah. You know, it'll be, it'll be great just to be a student of martial arts. And that's one of the things, you know, I always say to, my, again, my, my instructors and, 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 and team, you know, don't, don't think about um, uh, your career or, or, or making money as making money. Think about what that what opportunities give you at the end of the day that's yeah. what you're working for you know not not the fact that you can buy lots of things you know because that gets boring after a while it's it's being able to to give you those opportunities to do what you want that's that's your why really isn't it you know it's not like buying a new car or a new watch or whatever again that that stuff is not that important it's about uh the opportunity that, that by working hard you know and having worked so hard over the last 15 years of running a school i can come here now to to, yeah. to to train when I want to train, um, and then that's important. I can bring, I can come and watch my boys do it. You know, I can train with my wife on the mats. That that's important. So so to answer your question, I would just probably 
just come here and train every day. Is <laughs> what I would do. Amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, I want to use kind of last few questions for you, but um, what uh, you're 41? 42. 42. Yeah. What advice would you give to the 32-year-old Ricky? Uh, what well, apart from crypto? Amazon. What advice I would give to him is um, just um, right now I would say because around about 32 was when no actually when I was 25 24 if it's a better age like you think yeah, yeah, no, it was it was one of the regrets I have and I guess because I, I'm really obviously into what I'm uh, uh, jiu-jitsu right now is not having stuck with it when I first was exposed to it right and that was in, in Hong Kong when I was in Hong Kong and I was uh, they had the class in uh, fitness first uh, funnily enough that's weird when you think about it it was in a gym it was in a in, yeah and, and, and I remember joining in the classes and we were like doing hippie scapes and bridging. I was like, what is this stuff? This, this is, you know, you know. It's crazy stuff. Exactly. This is like, we're on the floor all night. Um, and, and, and I didn't stick with it. And I was thinking, well, that's 24. That was, that's like 18 years ago. If mm. I did then, but you know, that, whatever. Uh, I, w- I would say that, you know, um, just, the one of the things that, that that I would say was as a thirty-two-year-old, even as an early twenty-year-old, is is that I probably and I'm not afraid to say that now is 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 I probably slept too much. <laughs> I wasted too much time <laughs> sleeping. Not that I would like sleep lots, but but um, but I said that in my team training recently that nowadays I I, I get up at six, um, because most people start work at nine. I get up at six, I get a coffee and, and I get at least two and a half hours ahead of the, the competition or mm-hmm. whoever it is, you know, or whatever it is. And I get an extra time to yeah. do what I want to do, uh, whether it's to like do extra workout or read a book or just get ahead of the admin that needed, is needed mm-hmm. or just have those extra two hours so that later on in the evening I can come to here or spend time with the boys or whatever. Uh, so my advice to my 32 year old is, is sleeping might feel good sleeping in might feel good but it doesn't get you anywhere close to your goals so i would say you know use that time wisely because if you think about extra two hours every day for 10 years it's a lot of hours Mm -hmm. and and you know don't waste that time yeah i was thinking about this literally just this morning like you you know if you see i mean you probably should get like eight hours a night but if you uh, if you do, that's like one third of your day, which means if you live to ninety, like you've been sleeping for thirty years. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that that is the the, the ultimate, you know, because uh, a lot of young people love to love to sleep in, and, and but it really doesn't. It doesn't get you. It doesn't get you closer to your goals. It doesn't get you fitter, stronger, smarter, uh, and and just you know. Pressing that snooze button over and over and over again does not really do you any favors. No, overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, equally, what advice do you think? the 52-year-old Ricky would have for you now? Uh, don't know the train. <laughs> Watch those knees. Uh, yeah, probably. You know, judging by how I'm feeling right now is, is take, um, take more time to, for myself in terms of recovery. You know, don't overdo it. But at the same time, is, is spend time with people who matter to you. You know, like family, friends. Those are the guys that, that, that are important to you. Don't, don't, don't 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 consume yourself with things that you don't really have to do, um, just because you know you, you might feel you happy you should do it whatever it may be, um, uh, because you just can't say no to people, you know because um, a lot of people do that we all do that because we're nice people so and says oh you want to do this and you're like 
yeah, but it's going to take time away from the family, but I'll yeah. do it anyway. And then half the day's gone and you've spent time with maybe somebody or, or doing something that you don't really particularly want to do. Mm. Um, and, and, and yeah, so, so as a 52 year old, I'll probably say to, to me now is, um, is use your, again, use your time wisely. It is about time because that's the one thing that's, that we know that, 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 you know, isn't infinite. So, so yeah. Last question for you then, uh, it's the same as before, like for you, what does it mean to be a martial artist and how do we live as martial artists better? How do we live as martial artists uh, in a better way? Or in a better, uh, yeah. Just um, what is it, for me as a martial artist, as a, as a, um, it means being able to continually learn and develop because you know you, you might be a master at one but there's so much more you can learn. So just always keep an open mind and just always, always, always um, do something that's going to take you outside your comfort zone every day. So you grow as a person and you grow as a martial artist. Uh, and then that is answered, I guess that can answers both questions in that, in, you know, we, we only grow when we come, go out of comfort zone. And that's really important if you want to continue to develop as an instructor, you know, because if I didn't, start Kramaga, I didn't start boxing or kickboxing and all I did was Taekwondo. 20, 30 years later, I'm still, all I know is Taekwondo, which is fine, you know, for anybody who's, who's happy with that, that, that's great. But for me, to do, I will always want to develop into a, a, a well-rounded martial artist and, and you know, that, that, that uh, and, and not just a Taekwondoist. So it gives me the opportunity to continue, continually challenge myself physically and also mentally. So it's just that, uh, and you can learn from anyone. Mm-hmm. You can learn from anyone. Uh, that's that's important as well. Not not you know, like for example, I was uh, I was rolling with Sam the other day, and he was just ragging me around like for six minutes, and uh, and he's very modest afterwards. He was like, you know, I said to him like, can can you can you just um, you know run through that with me and tell you know what is it that I could improve on? Gave me some advice, which was great. And, and anyway, but take it lightly though, because uh, because I make mistakes too. I'm like, yeah, Sam, but you just absolutely you know destroyed me in a nice way. So so you can learn from anybody, really. Yeah. You know, because uh, um, you never know what their their experiences are and, yeah. and, and so on. I learn I learn from the white belts every day. Like you know, they put me in a position and I try something and I'm like, oh right, that didn't work. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you can learn in that way, and then and they can also show you something that they've been looking at. That's you know, jujitsu especially is just so vast. Like yeah. you can't hope to learn it all but like it's, if someone else is looking at something that you've never looked at then yes. then it's easy for them to teach you something right yeah amazing Ricky again thanks so much for doing this Thank again you well. uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and as, as I said last time it's a real pleasure Thank to you have you and super humbling um, see you later guys Thank you.